Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the mailbag. My name's Marcus Speller. Andy Brassel's here. Andy, how the dickens are you? I'm great, Marcus Speller. How are you? Very well, thanks, cousin. Looking forward to hearing what you're going to say to some of these questions that we have in the mailbag. Uh, and Andy, it's it's a warm day. I've had to shut the windows so we don't uh, so we don't get any background noise or ice cream vans ruining the recording. So I'm going to just going to crack on here and, and, and get straight on with what uh, Zaton17 has asked. He says, I'm wondering why Atalanta hasn't been cannibalised by richer clubs a la Monaco or Ajax. How do they hold on to players and the manager? Is there a lesson there for other teams or has their European prominence this year sicked the super club vultures on them and their bones will be picked dry by the close of the transfer window? He paints a rather disgusting picture, Andy, but you can understand <laughs> why. You can understand why. Yeah, you Saturn's done that. Particularly on a hot afternoon as this, I can imagine us being um, dumped in the desert in Vegas mm. by annoyed casino owners and having to walk <laughs> our way back into town. Uh, yeah. You are wearing a tuxedo, no bow tie. And, what um, happened to the bow tie? I, I think that um, you removed it to create extra air while we were locked in the trunk of the gangster's car. Why did you say trunk and not boot, Andy? It's an American scenario, isn't it? All right, okay. And anyway... Um, <laughs> Presumably we had jello for dessert. Yeah, that's right. Fortunately, I, I, I have a, a peanut butter jello sandwich in my back pocket that will sustain us. Whether it will sustain the vultures is another question. Definitely not get ruined by being bundled into some gangster's car in the middle of the desert. How's your peanut butter and jelly sandwich then, you mug? <laughs> Um, yeah, disgusting images aside, um, mm. it's, it's a really good question because um, Atalanta are now no longer an intruder. They're they're part of the furniture at the, the, the top of Italian football. Um, mm. You know, they've, they've finished in the top four in three of the last four seasons now, which is something quite spectacular. I think the odd one out of those seasons is the one that's worth underlining. And this mm-hmm. is all in the Giampiero Gasparini era, of course. He's done an incredible job there. And I think he is important. He knits it together in the same way that, say, Diego Simeone knits it together for Atletico. I think he is, of course, the football is really different, but he is more important than any of the players, even Papu Gomez, because um, he's given them uh, not, not just a template for success, um, but a way of doing things that the players believe in. And I think the most interesting thing is looking at those four seasons and looking at relatively how little the squad has changed in that time. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are a lot of constants in, in, in that squad. And um, that's what they've been able to do so well. And that's why it's such an interesting question, really, because um, I tend to think that if... Atalanta were going to get picked off. Um, it, it would have happened already. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think if the, the the thing that's worked for them really well is that Gasparini has persuaded the board um, to keep faith, not just in his sporting project in terms of them continuing to aim for the top, but in holding on to those players. And that he's convinced the players to stay. You know, Duvan Zapata could have had 
a big yeah. move last summer and he's, he's chosen to stay. They were able to add Luis Muriel to that. And if you look at how many goals they've scored in Serie A this season, I, I mean, just to reiterate, it's 98 in 38 games, yeah, which is extraordinary. We're, we're talking about 22 more goals than the champions, Juventus. Um, part of that is the fact that they've got so many different options up front. And even now, um, going into the Champions League, it looks like they probably won't be able to call on uh, Jerzy Pilicic because he's got some family stuff to um, deal with at home in uh, Slovenia. And yet they'll be able to go okay without him. I mean, of course, he's he's loved and respected in the squad and he's a terrific player. And when Gasparini said he's our Lukaku, he's our Messi, he meant it. But they're Mm. able to cover it because they've got so many other good players. And they've, they've done a fantastic job of keeping that squad together. I think if you go back to, as I say, that odd season out, so what, 2017-18, Gasparini's second season in charge, where they finished seventh in um, Serie A in the end, um, yeah. they were really unlucky to go out of the Europa League. They went out um, because of a late uh, Marcel Schmelzer goal for Dortmund in um, uh, Bergamo. And it was they were so lucky to get through that Dortmund. But I think maybe that is the crucial bit because it would have been easy to say, okay, we had a good season last season when we finished fourth. And in 2016-17, of course, fourth wasn't good enough for for Champions League. It was only good enough for Europa League in Serie A. I think we can forget how recently the four teams going straight in it is. And the fact that Gasparini uh, managed to convince the board to keep everyone together, managed to convince the players to stay together, that was the moment. I think if it was going to fall apart, it was it was going to be then. And everything they've done since, you know, we can't talk about them just as a team punching above their weight because they're a team that we expect something of now. And I think them doing so well in the Champions League and getting to the quarterfinals is a natural progression of those mm. players growing together. And it is, it's right to point out, it's so rare. It's so rare to be able to do that. But I think, You've got a lot of on the cusp type players there, and you know you used to think in the old days of like because the county championship season in cricket and the international season run um, concurrently rather than consecutively, your best way to winning the championship was probably having loads of England A players because otherwise your best team gets gutted as the mm-hmm. tests happen. And you're playing your season with not your strongest team. I kind of think it's a similar thing with Atalanta. You've got a lot of those on-the-cusp kind of elite players. So more experienced ones like Ilicic and Gomez. And I I suppose Duvan Zapata is is heading into that bracket now. And then you've got um, Mario Pasalic, a a player who we've always known has lots of talent, but has never broken through a, a truly elite club. Players who you can say to, Stay with me and we can do amazing things. Go to yeah. a bigger club and you'll be sitting on the bench and well, that's not it. really having the, the, the same influence. And Gasparini, I think he's has been he's done that. convincing. Yeah, he's in, quite in clearly done that. that dream. Yeah. I think that's very important because you're absolutely right. I think if you had they they don't have any players who are A-list undoubtedly stars. who are sorry, what? A list stars. Exactly. Yeah. If you did, if they had a couple of players where there's almost a recognition as well that people go, we're so lucky to have this player. 
Yeah. And therefore, you know, it's almost different sport, totally di- different set of circumstances and how it's run, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you take, you know, we've all, a lot of us seen the, the, uh, the last dance, you know, they talk about Michael Jordan. Oh, well, we've got Michael yeah. Jordan, so we'll be okay. Uh, you know, Barcelona might say, at times messy or, or or one or two others it's just not the case it's about the unit it's about the players yeah they've they've got players who have scored goals but none of those players are going to none of them were anywhere near finishing say top scorer and that's not to slag them off and i know that immobile has, has had a has, has performed you know absolute wonders getting to that tally um and obviously ronaldo's you know got over 30 as well but it's true if you can convince people and i think if if players are having a lovely old time, it's mm. nice to see that actually, you know, I don't know what money they're on, but 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 do you take the money and actually, you know, Gasparini may well have given them examples and said, look at that player, look at this player, look at this player, look at this player. And that's not to say you're not good enough to make the move. It's kind of like, lads, sometimes actually it's great to just be content with what we have. And actually, do you know what? If we build together, look at them. They're in the quarterfinal of the European uh, Champions League for crying out loud. And and I speak on behalf of everyone who's not a Paris Saint Germain fan who says I want them to win that game. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, unless you want to see a new winner of the cup at any cost, um, you know, they, they, they're back in. The, you know, they finished third in in Serie A. I just I just think it's wonderful they've kept everybody together and they're such a great team to watch. Long may it continue. I suppose I'm just passionately wading in here and not really adding too much. Um, <laughs> no, but, it's, but, it's true yeah. though. It's true though. And I, I think the other thing to add in terms of them being able to keep this team together this summer, well, mm. there, there are two things. Firstly, I think that the talent of Papa Gomez and Josip Pilicic mm. would easily get bought if they were five years younger. I, I think yep. that's a thing. Yep. The other big plus for them this summer is that they've sold Dejan Kulusevski to Juventus. And he's not a player who was who was even really a player for them. He's only played like three, four first-team games. But he caught the eye so much while he was allowed uh, out on loan at Panama that they've sold him to Juventus. And Kulusevski's a top player. There's no doubt about that. And I think he'll go on to be very good. And he's potentially someone who could add something that Juventus are lacking at the moment. But basically, a player who's not come from their first team but belonged to them, that they were able to knock out for €35 million, Euros, I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's ideal, especially in a season where they've got so much further than they would have done in the Champions mm. League and have got loads of prize money that they wouldn't have been counting on either. Yeah. I just think it's, it's great to see a side like this. As I say, they're now latter stages of Champions League. In terms of selling players, pandemics probably sort of helped them there, even though you don't like wording that a pandemic has helped them in some way. If you see what I mean, it gets a little bit tangled. But... Um, we, you know, we we remember certain sides. We talked about, you know, the Valencia sides twenty years ago. Before I think on the previous pod, or certainly one of them, and one yeah. or two other teams, where you remember these great sort of sides for whether they were there for two years or three or four years, Deportivo, another one, slightly different circumstances again. But it is nice to have something like this, and it it is nice that football can still throw up the odd side here and there with good management with good players, with a good system that can get the better of some of the big sides. And I, I sincerely hope that they can they can beat PSG because I think that would be a win for football, Andy, quite frankly. Toloi marauding forward, Hatterburin support, so too Josip Ilicic. Can he do it again? Oh, my word, he can. Josip Ilicic 
with his second and Atalanta's fifth. Andy, let's move on to uh, to this from DJ Chubby Bubble, everyone's favourite DJ. Uh, it's quite a long one, so bear with, bear with, as uh, Miranda would say. Uh, Espanol dropping down to the Segunda means no more Wu Li in the Spanish top flight. When he was signed, it made global headlines as a very wise business decision, even though he's not a world-class player. Looking at the stats, it looks like he's had a good season, most appearances, joint top scorer. Uh, so do you think another La Liga club will pick him up? There's that question. Then he said, and as to build on this, why do you think English clubs have never really capitalised on the commercial opportunity of a player from large countries with relatively underdeveloped football cultures? I'm sure there is talent there, but we've only seen five Chinese-born players and no Indian-born players in the Premier League's 28-year history. I haven't checked that, Andy, so I'm going on uh, what uh, Bubble says there. Uh, Maybe I'm being overly cynical, but football is a business and a growing fan base in mass markets like these would be very easily done by plucking a prospect from these nations. So two parts. You've got uh, Wu Li, um, or, or yeah, I think it's Wu Li or Wu Lai, forgive pronunciation there. Do you think a La Liga club will pick him up? And then why do you think English clubs have not, as as as, as Chubby Bubble sees it, not uh, capitalised on the commercial opportunity of players from countries like China and India? Well, for the quick bit of the question on yep. uh, Wu Lei in, in, himself, um I would be surprised if if another La Liga team, team didn't at least try and, and, and buy him. I think it's interesting when you look at Espanyol and the, the, the team they've got, the squad they've got. Um, if it stays together, they win the Segunda easily, I think. You know, th- mm-hmm. this is a team that suffered from poor planning, lots of coaching changes, only a belated investment in the team. But the quality they've they've got in there in every sector of the pitch, and they've got a much better squad at the end of the season than they had at the start of the season. They're they're winning the Segunda comfortably with that squad. The question is, can they keep them together? Which has to be a doubt. And uh, Wule is one of those players, and it's an interesting point thinking of him as a, a, a sort of commercial entity, really, because you know that was the way his signing was was reacted to when he arrived in La Liga. And in La Liga, there's been um, more Chinese money and influence than, than ever in the last five years or so. Um, and I think everyone looked at it in that sort of way. Um, but he really proved himself as a player. Um, he's been absolutely tremendous. He's he's really creative. He can burst forward, score goals from midfield. He's very graceful in the, in, in the way he moves. Um I would want to pick him up, and you know, mm. you bear in mind that he's twenty-eight years old now as well. Um, I think that he would want to be playing in the, the the top level while he's he's moving into his peak, and maybe they think that this is the best point to sell him because maybe his value decreases after a season in the Segunda. I I don't know, um, but moving on to how um, it's a commercial opportunity. To, to be exploited in connecting with other markets by um, sort of getting getting a relatable figure in. It's interesting because I remember good old Paolo Futre, a real great oh, yeah. in his time, also um, a very interesting and sometimes regarded as quite eccentric uh, a comment, commenter on the game. And... Um, whether he's a, a, a pundit, um, whether it's in, in, in Spain because he made his home in Madrid or whether, whether back home in Portugal. 
he's always really interesting. And a, a lot of people think of him as a little bit simple. It's a bit like Francesco Totti, really, in yeah. that he's, he's someone who people love to make fun of and he doesn't take it too seriously, unlike a lot of guys in his position. One, because I think he's just good-natured, and two, because I think he's quite comfortable with that because he's actually a lot smarter than people think he is. And there's a really famous um, bit of footage uh, with uh, Paolo Futre going back probably six or seven years now, when they were having presidential um, elections at, at Sporting Club de Portugal. And he was um, he, he was the running mate of uh, one of one of the prospective presidents. Um, I think he was um, going to be sporting director. Anyway, he gave a speech at one of the campaign rallies. And even if you don't speak Portuguese, it's worth seeking out. It's very interesting because... He gets up there on, on the lectern, uh, Paulo Futre, and he says, we've got a plan to bring sporting back to where they should be. Of course, we want to lean on our world-class academy, and that's something that we've always done on, through Figo, through Cristiano Ronaldo. And then Futre goes on, and also what I want to do is go out and buy the best Chinese player in the world. And at that point, <laughs> the guy who's running for president, you just see his face go into his palm because he realises this is the moment where he's not going to become president of sporting. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's a wonderful bit of footage. But actually, having had people take the piss out of him quite a lot at the time about that, and um, in fact, he did a a series of adverts Mm. sort of joking on him putting his foot in it in big situations off the back of that, it was, it was advertising brandy, I think. Um, people have actually come around in time and thought, actually, more clubs are definitely in the market to, to do this. And when you look at the number of games that Espanyol had on at early times, so people could see them in, in the Far East, mm-hmm. and um, especially since Roulet arrived, and when you look at the, um, the viewing figures, that they had in China for for some of those games. It was very helpful to Espanyol. It was very, very helpful to La Liga as well. So I don't think it's contradictory to think that something can be both a sporting boost to a team and a commercial boost to a club. I I know we we had um, another question, which maybe we'll come to in... um, subsequent week about uh, Rian Brewster. I don't know if we've got time for that today and the possibility of him ending up in Germany at some point. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that the Bundesliga has proved so relatable um, to English football fans, of course, part of it's the match day experience. But Jaden Sancho's had a huge effect on that. I, I don't. I don't think there's any doubt about that. When you look at the fact that when the Bundesliga came back, of course, it was the the, the first big league to to come back after the the, the pandemic. The fact that Jaden Sancho was one of the top names involved, I'm sure, almost certainly, had a huge effect on 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 BT's viewing figures for that. Even though there are lots mm-hmm. of other reasons to to recommend Bundesliga football. Yeah. What What about English clubs, Andy? Um... Do you think they failed to capitalise a bit on on some of the on potential sort of talent in, in to look at it a cynical way in terms of the the, the commercial 
prospects of, of, of players from countries like China and India in terms of fan base and so on? Well, for, I think there are two issues with it, with, um, with, with England and with the Premier League. Um, firstly, uh, can you get players over who are up to the level? Yeah. Because that, that, that's the thing with Wu Lei, isn't it? That he's mm. up to the level, that he's a good yeah, player yeah. in, you in do La Liga. For the sake of it, even even if exactly. you think you can commercially, because also the Premier League is huge, especially in somewhere like India. It already it's has a, a bit of a not monopoly, yeah. but uh, huge a lot of exposure there. Yeah, in that direction, certainly. And yeah. I, I think if if it's if it's the player's not there for sporting reasons, it quickly mm-hmm. becomes discredited and it becomes a bit of a joke. Yeah. So it's it's, it's quite difficult. Um, but I, I think the other thing is the Premier League trades off having the biggest stars in the world, or at, yeah. at least behind Real Madrid and Barcelona, certainly. So, you know, those those players are from other countries, and mm. I think they expand their brand by having the greatest, you know, largely European players. Of course, there are some Brazilians and Argentinians in there, but largely through having the best European players and and as you say that's been a very very successful way of exporting the Premier League cuando tiene que atacar posicionalmente y no le está haciendo daño al espera, espera, espera Uley se va, se va, se va Uley Andy, we're going to finish with this question from Aaron. So no Rian Brewster this time, I'm afraid. But Aaron says, does Andy want to do us a European-wide team of the season as the domestic leagues come to a close? Andy, do you want to do that? Yeah, I would I would love yep. to. Um, okay, what... well, let's start with that because there's two questions here. So let's go okay. for Aaron's first one. So right, European-wide team of the season. Yep. How about if I provide the team and you pick yeah. it apart? And Does that I sound provide good? the bants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we. There. There we. There we go. <laughs> Get your banter stick. Um, Excellent. I have um, small caveat left out um, Cristiano Ronaldo and Leo Messi. Not because they yeah. don't deserve to be in it, but just because they're over the hill. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Reasonable reasons, as I'm sure Paul yeah. Merson would 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 put it. Um, now yes. I wanted to give some exposure to some some other names. Um, I have so many to fit in. Uh, before you write in or, or, or get involved um, on the Discord, um, I know it won't fit together tactically, and I don't care. Uh, in <laughs> goal, I've got uh, Thibaut Courtois, um, who's Ooh. had an amazing season in goal. You're going to go for Obers. Well, you know, I think there's a difference between saying who you think is the best and who you think has been the best this season. Courtois has been hugely influential in Real Madrid being being champions, and he's recovered his form so well. And bear in mind that there were there were doubts over him at the start of the season. I think mm-hmm. you have to give him an enormous amount of credit. Back four, of course, it's going to be four three three. Um, so at right back, I've gone for uh, Tecatito, so Jesus Corona of of, of Porto who uh, arrived in um, Portugal as a winger from mm. Dutch football. And this season has been used a lot more at right back. And it's just a cunning way of getting another player who creates loads and loads and loads in your team. Um, yeah. And he, he's someone who 
he's just been terrific this season. I think it's been his, his, his best ever season for, for Porto with him on one side and Alex Tellers, who I could have easily picked on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. I, he's actually provided more assists than Alex Tellers this season, which is absolutely unbelievable. I think he's yeah. one of those players who Porto will sell for a lot of cash this summer. Mm-hmm. He's at that right age, 26, 27 now. Um, but he's, he's been absolutely brilliant, Tecatito. Uh, so I'll have him in there. Uh, Centre halves, I've gone to Spain for both of those. So Sergio Ramos, of course, um, very much his league title this season. I'm partnering him with uh, Diego Carlos of Sevilla, who, Ooh. of course, a lot of people are, are looking at. Um, linked with um, Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, who would have to sell their stadium to get him because his buyout clause is 70 million euros. Um <laughs> But he was a good player for Nantes, but I never thought he would get to quite this level. I mean, if if not the best centre-half in La Liga this season, he's been really close. Um, and he's been yeah. huge in Sevilla getting where they've got. Uh, Left-back, uh, Teo Hernandez, I think he's been outstanding for Milan this season and for a lot of this season, certainly until Zlatan turned up and bullied Rafael Leao and company into playing well. Um mm-hmm. He, he was, Teo Hernandez looked their only good signing really this season. And, um, you know, I think to start out the season um, as a player who you wonder if they overpaid a little bit for and to end the season as someone who's being linked with 40 million moves to Paris Saint-Germain, it was very impressive as well. Um, oh, yeah. He's, he's done an absolutely tremendous job. Uh, midfield, I've gone for Leon Goretzka. Of, of Bayern. Again, a player who's come on so much this season. Um, it's become a running joke in the Bayern squad how much he's, he's muscled up. In fact, when he lifted the Bundesliga trophy on the pitch at Wolfsburg, two of his teammates ran up behind him, whisked up his sleeves and started like flexing his muscles for him, uh, which I'm sure made an absolutely wonderful photo. Um, the aforementioned Papu Gomez, I've, I've sort of crowbarred him into midfield although yeah I know tactically it won't work but look the guy's tremendous what are you going to do um he's been amazing <laughs> and you needed some Atalanta representation um gone for another old boy as my third midfielder Dimitri Payet who nice. has been just unbelievable for Marseille this season mm-hmm. and um propelled a team who a lot of people yeah that's right me um, thought would probably struggle to make the top four or five into second place and back into the Champions League. And of course, he's taken a pay cut and signed for life. So what a guy. Um, up front, Robert Lewandowski leads away. He's been uh, outstanding. The yeah. best number nine there is um, yeah. this season. Um, on his left, Jaden Sancho. Um, goals, assists, the lot. Again, challenged earlier in the season um, in terms of his timekeeping. People were wondering whether he was falling out with Dortmund, whether he was becoming a bit difficult to control. And he responded to all of that in an exemplary fashion. 11th player, you've mentioned him already, Chiro Immobile. 36 Serie A yeah. goals. I mean, that is phenomenal. I don't know if I I've got a bit biased to the old boys in, in this team, but I, I like the look of it anyway. Oh, I, I, I love that, Andy. I think I think you've done bloody well there to mix it up a bit. Um, so well done, you. Well, let, let's carry Big on with Aaron's. Marcus, is there, is there anyone who you think I definitely should have put in? Uh, Dimitro Albertini. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was leaning towards Costa Curta for that right back yeah, spot. I, it, 
if you were being, I mean, if you're talking about the old boys, then <laughs> Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> That's the spirit. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely phenomenal what he's done there, considering how old he is and so on and so forth. Second half of the um, season, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, can't argue with that. Um, well, let's, let's go on the second half of Aaron's question. He says, uh, being really greedy, can Andy also talk to us about managers across the continent who've been successful at one club but have struggled to recreate this elsewhere, such as David Moyes with Everton, Alan Kerbishley at Charlton, maybe Eddie Howe with Bournemouth uh, thus far? Why does this occur? And I'd also like to chuck in Frank Rijkaard at Barcelona. Nice. Well, I know loads of people would want me to say Fatty Turian. But mm. the job that 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 I sort of weighted by the fact that he's managed the same team four times. Yeah. Um, I, actually, he did an amazing job at Fiorentina, and in that almost season that he was there before he dramatically fell out with the the club president, and in a way handed got Roberto Mancini's uh, career up and running by handed him his first trophy, the Coppa Italia. Tarim had already got the, the team to the final, built this team around Rui Costa, which was fantastic. Went slightly less well at Milan afterwards when he, when he took Rui Costa with him. But um, yeah, for, for that, I'm not having um, Tarim as a, as, as a one-clubber. Um, I wonder, actually, it's, it's not quite the same, but until he arrived at uh, Atalanta, you could maybe have suggested the same of Giampiero Gasparini because um, he was at Genoa the first time with that 3-4-3. They were absolutely brilliant to watch. Mm -hmm. And it didn't quite happen for him at either Inter for reasons that were more Inter's fault than his, obviously, because they fired him after four league games. Um, Palermo didn't didn't quite go right as well. And and he had to go back to to Genoa. So maybe that's one um, that, that... would 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 be in mind um i mean it's, it's so difficult i think for coaches to to go and and do it elsewhere i mean people always had this question over pat guardiola actually didn't they um yeah. before he he went to Bayern at manchester city and then obviously people said oh we wouldn't be able to do it with a club with no money well it is quite literally the job when you're one of the best coaches in the world to coach the best clubs in the world rather yeah. than, you know, end up at Rochdale or, or Wimbledon or whatever. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm interested to say, I, I would have said George Jesus would have been one of those guys. But then, of course, he blew that out of the water by yeah. going to Flamengo and, and, and doing an absolutely he, tremendous the ultimate, job. The ultimate example is Frank Reichard. I mean, Jonathan Wilson and I often talk about this on the Greatest Games podcast, how his managerial career is an absolute mystery to, to, to us. He... Started off at the Netherlands and, and did okay. I mean, Euro 2000, it was them and France who were going to win it and they got to the semi-finals, made a bit of a pig's ear of the semi, missing two mm. penalties. Italy were down to 10 men and ultimately the tournament ended in disappointment. They should have got to the final. But I can sort of forgive him that, uh, if you see what I mean. I, I don't think he could have done too much more probably. But it's a difficult one to start with a, with a you know managing your country. He goes to Sparta who, the, what are they, the oldest professional uh, club in, in, um, Netherlands, in, yeah. in the Netherlands, yeah. Uh, they were relegated to the second division for the first time in their history under him in his short time there. So he's sacked. Then you have Barcelona, which I'll come back to. Galatasaray, he, he goes to Galatasaray off the back of Barcelona. 
and they're thinking, okay, bloody hell, we've got an absolute coup here, you know, what, what he's just done. Mm. I mean, he signs in the summer of 2009. He was there not that much more over a year and was sacked, didn't win anything. Now, I don't know that much about his time there, but not winning something with Galatasaray and being sacked, it suggests that it probably didn't go that well. And then he finishes his um, managerial careers. He's not been, been back since. With Saudi Arabia, who under him went out in the first round of, uh, I forget which tournament it was, uh, yeah, I forget which one, but you know it was disappointing and he was sacked. Uh, you know, didn't he wasn't in the job very long, maybe 18 months. So in between all this, he has this four or five year spell at Barcelona where he picks up a Barcelona side who who actually weren't uh, the Barcelona that we know now, mm. who hadn't been uh, been doing very, very well, wins two La Ligas uh, and a Champions League in, in 2006 and really lays the foundation in a lot of ways for, for Guardiola to come in. And he is utterly crucial in, in how we understand and how we look at Barcelona now and what we've come to expect from them and 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 really kick-started the best period of of the club's history. It's just so odd. But but the, I suppose to, to kind of wade into the question is he fitted that job. You know, he 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 was at that time. Of, at that time he was yeah. the man that that it just it all came together. And you do sometimes get that with managers who that one is particularly intriguing. Someone like Kerbishley at Charlton, the club's probably moulded. Certainly Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, obviously Howe's still young, so I understand Aaron sort of does caveat that. But Howe at Bournemouth, the whole club is moulded around him. You know, he is given he is given all the keys to every door in the kingdom and he shapes it and so on and so forth, and it works. And and Moyes at Everton be similar and at Kerbishley at Charlton. And I understand, you know, Rijkaard is probably not going to be, it wasn't given quite that at Barcelona, but he came along at the right time. His ideas, his philosophy, blah, 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 blah. It didn't really matter what his previous experience was. It did, you know, and almost going to other other clubs after that, it was like, well, it doesn't really matter. It was at Barcelona. Like that was that was him. That was his, it all came together, if you see what I mean. Yeah, the only thing I would slightly disagree with okay. about Rijkaard of Barcelona is the fact that um, he set the table for, for Guardiola because I think he did bring Barcelona away. There's no doubt he did an incredible amount for Barcelona. And... Um, he moved them away from being a joke. He made them competitive again. But things were really going bad towards the end of that spell there, which I think showed that he could be, um, you know, an outstanding manager for the right job at the right time. Because if if we're talking about him, he didn't exactly leave a lasagna in the freezer for for Guardiola when he arrived. What, What he did is he more left the lasagna hidden in the lining of the loft and he had to find it himself without yeah, a torch. Was, was that lasagna Lionel Messi, though? Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, 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 so, I, I, think, I think if we're going to go on the loft thing, he was probably <laughs> if a we bit must. more... He was probably a bit more like um, Emu, who'd been left oh. in the loft and got a bit moth-eaten <laughs> because, of course, uh, Messi needed... Emu, yeah, exactly, exactly. He's still Emu. I think, and he was once um, Pep had cleaned him up and, and left him in, in good form. I suppose that the other, when, when we think of other one club men who never really succeeded elsewhere, I suppose the two obvious ones would be Giroud uh, Ozer and um, Thomas Schaaf 
of Werder Bremen. I mean, he had a couple of jobs after Werder Bremen. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt and, and Hanover, neither of which went particularly well. But, I mean, that, that's a different kettle of fish entirely. And maybe that veers away a bit from the question because as player, from when he arrived in the academy as a player to when he left as coach, Schaaf had been at Werder Bremen for 41 years. 41 years. I mean, he's not even 60 yet now. It's, it's just in, incredible. That is a lifelong yeah. association, if ever there was one. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I, well, I suppose, Aaron, to answer your question, it's it just sometimes the stars align for certain people and sometimes the, the, the temperature, the climate is just right and and so on and so forth, really. I suppose it's players who fit a system at a club. Um and we often forget, don't we, about the relations and, and so on and so forth. The manager, what's going on in his private life, gets on well with the chairman, everything's good, etc., etc. Sometimes you, you can't quantify these things. And other times you can. Um, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to The Mailbag uh, this week. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll get to uh, a couple of the other questions that have been on uh, the Discord uh, perhaps next week but do uh, don't be shy uh, get your questions in as well but until next week thank you very much Andy thank you uh, thank you listeners see you next week Stakhanov Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.